AntiUp is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But AntiUp is much more than a magazine. Visit AntiUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AntiUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's June 29th, 2018. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. I wonder, Scott, when this all goes away someday and we're just not doing this anymore, you know, it's going to happen. I'm sorry, guys. Stop. Get your tissues. Stop crying. But uh, are we going to do like a political show? I think we're going to. I think we have to, right? Well, because there's just not enough political commentary in the world right now. (laughs) But not the way we do it. Always when we've done it in Annie up, we've filled a niche, and you're right. There's just there's just no one talking about politics out there. So yeah, that that that's that's an excellent idea. That, that's what we'll, do. <laughs> well, we'll continue the tradition, you know, of doing a show that you know makes no money and has no listeners. So for the we're, we're really good at that stuff. Yes, yes we got that down. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's coming. We're going to be doing something political someday. I don't know what it is, but we're doing something. I don't know if you heard, but I did do something political for a year, but, you know. No, I never heard about that. <laughs> Behind my back? What the hell's wrong with you? I wanted to be involved. Oh, sorry. You were not a Safety Harbor resident, so. Yeah, but I got to wear your shirt. That's true. That's Man, true. that shirt was comfortable. A lot of good that did me this year. That shirt is comfortable. Great for doing yard work in. <laughs> I'm promoting your future campaign. I like how you're, you're lobbying for listeners for a future endeavor while we, as every word coming out of our mouth, we're losing current listeners by not talking about poker. So, <laughs> All right, let's get to it. <laughs> All right, here's our uh, World Series of Poker update for this week uh, for Hintaj Benyadi. That was pretty good. I, I, that wasn't too bad. I, I really was worried about that one, but you did all right. That wasn't too bad. Uh, <laughs> The mother of three-time bracelet winner, Farzad Banyati, won event number 36, the $1,000 Super Seniors. And that's a sweet story. I mean, I, we're supposed to read through all these, I know. But I want to stop. That's a sweet story. We all love our moms. I know how much you love your mom. You know how much I love my mom. Yeah. And uh, that's really cool when when, uh, when a mom learns from, from the son and goes and gets her own bracelet. It's got to be the first time ever that's happened. So that's remarkable. Because, you know, they made a big deal about Doyle's, bro- you know, son, Todd went in. And first time father, son, ever. This is huge. This is huge. Yeah. Is it not? Yeah, and particularly because it wasn't in a uh, a women's event either. I mean, obviously right. it was a limited event because the super seniors, you had to be a certain age. So I guess it's still, it wasn't an open event. I guess that was my point. But then I just uh, contradicted myself. <laughs> <laughs> but you would think that if this would happen, it would, it would happen in the women's event. But uh, it didn't. It happened in a super seniors event. Open a minute. Very impressive, though. I'm very. This is a very good story. It's bigger than 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 a lot of people will give it credit for. It's a big story. All right, moving on uh, to all the names I'm going to hatch it this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Nee Berman won event number thirty-eight. That was a ten thousand dollars seven-card stud, besting a field of just eighty-three. 
Sean D won event number 42, the $25,000 PLO eight-handed high roller for his third career bracelet. Still owes me 50 bucks. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> Nicholas Sakin won event number 44, the $10,000 limit, deuce to seven triple draw in his first ever standalone deuce to seven tournament. And now had a final table that included Farzad Banyani. Where did we hear that name already? <laughs> and Matt Glantz. Wow. Uh, Mario Prats Garcia of Spain won event number 45. That's a $1,000 no limit hold'em with big blind annies, knocking out the final five players in a span of just 13 hands. <laughs> and Matthew Mendez won event number 47, the $565 buy in uh, WSOP.com PLO event, uh, playing the event from New Jersey to become the first player in history to win an online World, Ser- uh, on- online World Series poker bracelet from outside the state of Nevada. Actually, I guess it wouldn't even have to be online. It would be any bracelet. <laughs> That's true. I mean, we'll, we'll go fix that. A from outside. Yeah, there we go. All right. Boy, I really hatched you the rest of this stuff, too. There we go. I mean, I, mean, I don't know if that's true though it'd have to be an online i think i think it's right to say that because you got all the wsop europe stuff and everything and ah, those guys are winning okay. so i think it is the first online bracelet one and you're not in nevada to win it so not that gotcha. you have to correct the file i'm not going to put it know, on the right cap the file, i just can't have that hanging over me <laughs> all right so all kinds of stuff to talk about i mean already already talked about mom that was great um uh it, it's sad to me that seven card stud is dying to the point now that only 83 people pony up for a tournament i grant it was a ten thousand dollar buy-in tournament and those 83 players were probably some of the best stud players in the world but um that, that that, they had more in the $10,000 limit deuce to seven triple draw event. Yeah. For the same buy-in. Yeah. That's weird. It is kind of weird. I mean, <clears throat> because you think of the players that are entering these events, they're the ones that are career players probably most of the time. People right. who really, you know, really play all the games and have those types of, probably those types of home games or cash games at, the, you know, the special Bobby's rooms or things like that. So... The fact that they more came off a deuce to seven than did. Well, a lot of those pros really cherished the deuce to seven ones. I know it's the no limit yeah, one that they true. really like, but it's a little, uh, little special place in their heart for that. That's yeah, not for other games, so that could be. And it wasn't a lot more. I think it was like 120, 130 in that one. But still, uh, I was kind of shocked to see 83. Now I don't know. I, I didn't go back and look in history and see if that was a number representative of what it's been. You know, maybe I'm squawking about something that's been happening for years, but it just struck me uh, this year that it uh, does seem like it's around that number every year, though, like around le- around a hundred or less, so a little less. Um, well, yeah, the buy-ins are big. So <laughs> yeah, those you know, buy-ins are huge. If they knocked it down to like five or even three, it would well, definitely they, they, be. They have like a, a 1,500, and they have a five on the schedule too. I'm sure those ones um, had or will have yes. a lot more as yes. a buy-in. Yes, I predict all those that have more than 83. Um, and I always like when people enter their first tournament of a particular game and win a bracelet and beat a bunch of pros at the final table, and it's a $10,000 event. <laughs> I know. Now, how do you, how do you... Obviously, he, it's not new, he's not new to the game. We, we've had bracelet winners that actually had no idea what they're doing when they sat down and somebody had to teach them as they went. Right. That's more, um, I don't know if impressive, but uh, more crazy. Uh, but still, I mean, that, that's it's a pretty big feat to never have played an entire tournament in a in a particular uh, genre of game and then beat that kind of competition. So, is genre the right word? I think it's uh, discipline. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just curious. But I, it's funny how people can find that money. Like in this case, I I would assume you know people have money or whatever. But it's like wow, it's like the first time you're going to play this tournament, you're 
working over ten grand. That's just yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy to me. I mean, you, you, obviously, you can know how to play. It's not like you're. You, you, there is not deuce to seven tournaments in your little casino, right. and you can just practice. Right. You know, I mean, you may like know the game from your home game or something, or maybe you've got. And, and on top of it, limit. A lot of people get bored of limit, so they're going to want to just they make it that single draw, no limit one, which is they really cherish. The pros really right. like that title. Um, but wow, yeah, it's impressive. It's impressive. And he beat like you put in the notes here. You know, two formidable bracelet winning pros. And those were the only two I listed. Some of the other ones, there, there was a Deuce to Seven specialist that was at the final table that everybody knows. And um, it's, it's from from the the uh, official report, it sounded like th- this was a um, murderer's row final table wow. <laughs> of Deuce to Seven players. So um, very, very impressive. Good for him. Uh, and then, man, I, I love this story. The, the Garcia knocking out five players in a span of 13 hands. I mean, you're living right. <laughs> when you can finish a tournament that quickly. I mean, I've lost track of the number of tournaments already. I think we're through event 47 as far as what we've reported. Uh, I've lost track of the number of ones that, that have said one on the unscheduled fourth day. <laughs> so a lot of these tournaments are really dragging out this year. And then when you're down to the final five and 13 hands later, you've got a bracelet. I, I can't even imagine that. I can't even imagine that. That's the beauty of no limit hold'em. <laughs> if this was the deuce to seven in the final five, that's not happening in thirteen hands. You know, they're all limit. They're like folding, and you know, they're they're tightening up. These guys are like, all right, I got in this tournament for a thousand. You know, and I I can't win this tournament unless I double through. And then you got another guy's got another small stack. And it's like I can't win this tournament unless I double my stack. And then three guys going all at once, and then you knock out three, and then two hands later you knock out four, and you know, or something. So. That's the beauty of No Limit Hold'em, you know, plus the big blind annies. I wonder if that had a big... Cause we, yeah, it could have, actually. I mean, we just got a um, uh, listener email. spot question yeah. that we'll be putting on the show probably next week uh, about the, the short stack, uh, how the big blind annie affects the short stack, which is really, from all what I've heard, really the only complaint left out there. Um, everybody else, I think, has kind of quieted down on their overall complaints about it, but... Uh, but yeah, that 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 could have played a factor. I, I didn't actually go back and 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 see how those last um, thirteen hands went to see how it how it played out. But in regards to how it played out, it, it's pretty amazing. It you is know? It's remarkable because I think this tournament had like seventeen hundred entrants. So um, to get down to that final um, and then just be able to pick <laughs> five people off with thirteen hands. Uh, I mean, it, it, that's just incredible. That's a run that everybody dreams of. <laughs> it's it's basically every other hand you knock someone out to win the title from that I, moment. I, on. You can imagine just anywhere in a tournament if you if you could knock five players out in thirteen hands. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure that that happens regular, not regularly, but fairly decently because you you know you might knock two people out on the hand and then. Yeah, but even it, it, no matter how it happens and no matter when it happens, that is impressive. But to happen at the final table of a, of a World Series event. Um, Really, really incredible. So yeah, see that's the thing about this game; it's just so any scenario almost is possible, and it, because of the the randomness of the cards, the randomness of the chip stacks, the randomness of where they're sitting. You know, when you know they always talk about, hey, if you're in a room with the monkeys and they have all these typewriters, <laughs> and how long it would t- eventually they would type out Hamlet or whatever crap that was. <laughs> it, this, this is kind of like that, where every single situation you never, you, it's never going to be the same. Never will you play the exact same hand and have the exact same situation in your life, which is why the answer is that all these questions is always it depends because you just it, that's what's so beautiful about this game. And in this situation, all of the poker 
planets came in alignment for this unique situation to happen. And 13 hands. Man, imagine how happy the the live reporters were or how yeah. miserable or how miserable they were either way because yeah, I'll tell you this is a legendary uh, tournament for for yeah, live reporters cause right? those of us that have have watched paint dry <laughs> in a final table <laughs> multiple times this would be it's a dream come true i mean hey we want you guys to have a, a great tournament and play the game you need to but uh some of us need to get to bed <laughs> get a meal and like when it's bam 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 done yeah i mean you can't the only way it can happen end quicker is if they do a an icm deal which you right. series but, right uh this, this, oh my gosh it's just that's incredible hilarious. on a number of levels so. it's hilarious and uh, you know, I guess it's not really a, a, a major mile point that uh, we finally have an online player, um, not in Nevada, but it's the first one, so it's kind of logging it in. But uh, there'll be more, obviously, because you know, if you're in New Jersey or Delaware and uh, you don't feel like getting on a plane to win a bracelet, it's easy to do now. So. Yeah, think about that for a minute. I mean, you rolled out of bed and you won a bracelet from your house. Think about that for a minute. That's phenomenal. Yeah, I wonder if they had he had people over there uh, on the virtual rail. You know. <laughs> He's literally sitting in bed playing this, and everybody's lined up, you know, <laughs> around the bedroom and then cheering for him every <laughs> end. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you miss in that, right? You yeah. know, I, I'll take a bracelet anyway I can get it. But, you know, I think all of us that have a dream of winning a bracelet, the, the part that's amazing is that at the end when there are all your friends crowd around you at the table for the official photo, and that doesn't happen when you're yeah. on the <laughs> yeah. Or it does happen, no one sees it. So. Yeah, they, they're all crammed into his bedroom watching him over his shoulder, <laughs> you know, and cheering. <laughs> oh, well. Good stories. Right, well, we've got about uh, 30 events left, so we'll be back next week with uh, another batch of... 30 holy events holy left. Oh, my God. Story. Yeah, I know. Crazy, Oh, uh, jeez, right? yeah. <clears throat> all right, the uh, poker streaming site Poker Central has taken over the poker lobbying organization Poker Players Alliance and renamed it Poker Alliance. Uh, the move restores corporate backing to the organization that it lost after PokerStars dropped its support in 2017. Poker Central's Mark Brenner will now lead the organization, replacing Rich Muni. Very interesting. Very interesting story. Well, interesting and necessary. So, yes, I think uh, so. You know, we talked about this not too long ago on the show that uh, uh, PPA was running on fumes and trying to, the Bernie Sanders donation it. <laughs> yeah. Get it to uh to keep going and i think you know again uh like to be a glasses half full kind of person but uh didn't have a lot of optimism that that was going to work and it didn't and um so you know um still a lot of questions about what poker central is going to do with this and, and what the direction is but uh at least it's still it saved it so it's still out there um and uh we'll see what happens but um new blood new way of doing things new money it, it's it's probably a very good thing, um, and Poker Central is going to have an interest in getting online poker and poker positive stories out there and 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 passed and legislation and all that because they're Poker Central. They're gonna they're gonna want that advertising. They're gonna want that that money funneling in, and and it'll help them succeed, help the game succeed. And um, Poker Alliance is nice because it's not just about players; it's about businesses and companies. So taking out the word players, I guess is. Yeah, a couple of interesting things about this. Uh, one, they, they purposely took out players because um, there was kind of a backlash, I guess, um, that players who have previously supported the Poker Players Alliance thought that because of the corporate backing of it that they 
PPA wasn't really lobbying for them. It was lobbying for the people that are actually providing the money. So that was a problem, which, you know, I don't know how to get around that, right? right. <laughs> you know, somebody, somebody's bankrolling your operation. I think you probably owe it to kind of support what they want to do. And I'm sorry, uh, you four million other people that, that feel like you should get the same voice in the organization as the person paying the bills. But uh, it's just not the way it works. So, um, so that was a deliberate thing they did to take that away and, and now focus on on, uh, on poker. Um, and then the other thing that again we have we have to wait and see um, how this all plays out. But um, one of the things that the PPA um, had been shifting towards was actually lobbying for uh, sports betting and some of these other things that were out there in a way to try to broaden the reach of the group to to bring in more. Um, contributions and um obviously that's not going to happen now because it's all you know poker central is more obviously focused on poker so right, right um that's it's not a bad thing necessarily i mean obviously we're all poker players so we like that focus on that but i, I think there was some genius not just in trying to bring in more people but the way we've talked about this with a sports betting ruling when it came down is um even if you're not a sports betting fan there's a potential for that Supreme Court ruling to actually help poker because of it might push overall gaming bills that poker is included in. So it's not necessarily something where you the best way is just to be tunnel vision on poker. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. We'll see what happens. All right. Anti updates. Join the Anti Up Fans Group Facebook page and post within the group to get feedback on hands, ask call the floor questions, or just discuss anything poker. Go to Facebook and search for Anti Up Fans. Also, the schedule and structures have been released for the 2018 Annie Up World Championship July 7th to the 29th at Thunder Valley Casino Resort near Sacramento, California. 20 events, more than 30 satellites, $1 million in guaranteed prize money, and two chances to win your way on the cover of Annie Up Magazine. For more info, go to AnnieUpMagazine.com slash World Championship. You're heading out there soon, right? Uh, yeah, I will so? be out there for the beginning because I got to uh, an annual vacation, but I will be out there, I think, like the 13th or 14th yeah. and then for the end. So Very cool. Looking forward to it. Each week, we spotlight a listener who emails us at podcast at com, and if they haven't won something from us in the past year, just like we do with Call the Floor and Hand of the Week, we send them something cool. This week's prize is a setup of J-Design playing cards, the official playing cards of Annie Up Poker Cruises, available at ClassicPlayingCards.com. That's the listener spotlight. We never really say, hey, it's listener spotlight, you know. We, we should probably work that into my little <laughs> rap or something. I don't know. Each week uh, we spotlight <laughs> a listener in the listener spotlight. How's that? <laughs> you can be like Jeff Probst on uh, Survivor. Well, we can say, hey, it's listener spotlight, everyone. And then we say each week someone who emails us. And then there you go. And you've gotten around the spotlight of listener redundancy. You could freestyle rap all you want, my friend. <laughs> well, this comes from Donk Buster. So I don't know if we're sending Donk Buster some cards if we don't know who he is. But we, do. we know who he is. He we know. has to be anonymous because he's in the witness protection yeah, program. Yeah, we know he is. He says, there's a long-running home game in my area that I've known about for 11 years, or for years. Where did I get 11 from? My wow, eyes that's great. You just, how, how specific? You just pulled that out of the sky. <laughs> I'm probably right. Years, a few years, 11. It probably is 11 years. <laughs> uh, and I finally decided to play uh, a few weeks ago. Buy-in was $120 plus $20 added on for a knockout bounty. Starting stacks were 20K, 20-minute blinds, with a structure that's a little better than your average low buy-in brick-and-mortar casino tournament. 
On this night, they had 29 players. They paid top five. Is this a typical private game rake, and is there any way to, it's beatable in the long run? I made the final table before I started paying attention to the tournament payouts and was somewhat surprised when I ran the numbers. I haven't played in many raked private game tournaments, so I'm not sure if this is the norm. With 29 players at $120, the total buy-ins added up to $3,480. The prize money added up to $2,552. That makes the house rake $928, or 37.5%. The host did supply non-alcoholic drinks, pizza, and has dealers that know what they are doing. You would think for what he's taking out of the house, he would at least have beer. For me, I can't think of a situation that playing in this game can be positive EV. Can you? One other interesting thing of note is the host strongly encourages everybody to take care of the dealers. The vast majority of the players who busted out gave their bounty chips to the dealer. Wow. That's all I have to say. Where do we even start here? Uh, First of all, um, I don't know where this game is, um, but most places uh, it's illegal to rake. (laughs) Yes, home game. That's one. Not all places, but most places. So, so one. Let's start with the fact that if you want to, my concern isn't as much the rake (laughs) is is the popo going to come in and and put me in the the clink right. So, uh, but if you're fine with that, um. Let's just assume it's not a private game and it's just a rake game, and we can talk about that. You know, I did the math, and I think it's a thirty-two dollar rake on one twenty. Um, I think in most tournament or casinos, that rake would probably be around twenty, maybe maybe twenty-five. So it is higher, um, but there are also you know most poker rooms. Well, I guess it just it depends. Uh, most poker rooms do give you free drinks, so uh, they don't give you pizza usually. So you know you factor that in, and then you know make your own decision on it but it is kind of high um and, and then you know it'd be different if, if if he was paying the dealers a tip out of that and then i would feel that that i think would be enough for me but the fact that he's not and then people are just giving their bounty chips i mean geez i mean i know there's only what 29 people in this tournament but you know i oh, there couldn't have been more than four dealers you know three tables and then a, a break table Right, you got to figure unless he does a normal thing where everyone who makes the final table doesn't have a bounty anymore, and they get to keep that. But even so, yeah, tw- twenty dollars at for twenty people essentially if the last final table is nine. That's four hundred bucks right there that you're taking out of the <laughs> out of the possibility of making money. I mean, can you beat the rake? Well, sure, because you're only paying it one hundred forty. You don't have to tip the dealers if they're. In this case, you, you should find out the breakdown of the money if they're tip if they're paying their dealers. You know, I don't know out of that. I don't know if they're giving them a hundred bucks to work for three hours or something. You know, I don't know how much they're giving them out of it. So that's the other thing. I would want I would want a breakdown of what my where my money's going before I worried about how much I have to tip the dealers. Yeah. And then yes, yeah, the security thing is huge. But then, like you said, that that is an exorbitant amount for a private game on top of it. You know, I mean, okay, so you're giving me soda, which you could get like check soda for like ninety nine cents for big bottles of it. So <laughs> for you know, ten bucks you're getting all the soda you need. Pizza, all right, so maybe that's a bigger expense if you get twenty pizzas at, you know, six dollars a pizza, say hundred and eighty, but even that if it's like, you know, whatever, or would I say hundred and twenty? Whatever that is, I mean that's a huge amount of money coming out of your prize pool. Now, granted, the person who's doing it, if it is illegal, is is taking on a huge responsibility uh, and yeah, maybe it feels like it needs to get paid for it. But 
Yeah, I mean, you know, I played in one game when I went up to Maine, I think, uh, a long time ago, and one of the listeners up there was ecstatic. I was up there. I'm glad somebody was ecstatic because it was January. <laughs> it was very, very cold. Uh, but took me to a game because uh, I don't have at that point they didn't have any casinos up there and you know the, it was it was I think we talked about it on the show it was a lot like rounders you had the cameras you know look up and wave and then they buzz you in and yeah. um, so there, there's a lot more expense involved in that and you know the person that that's running it is is taking on the biggest risk I mean you might get um, shaken down by the cops but if you're actually running the game that's a bigger deal right so yeah. um. So, yeah, you know, again, I don't know what this guy does with, with his money. Um, and you're certainly within your rights to ask. And he's certainly within his rights to say, get out of here. <laughs> so, you know, you got to weigh, weigh all that stuff. Um, now, I, I don't know whether you're living in a place where there aren't casino games and this is the only place you can go is play these kind of games. If that's the case, um, it's like any other business. It's supply and demand, right? So, you know, there's nowhere else to play. And the host thinks he's providing a, a good service um then the market allows them to take a little bit more because people aren't going to complain about it so but you know if you have a real casino down the street where you can go and not worry about all this um you might you might want to do that you're probably gonna get a better rake you're not gonna get pizza but you know buy your own pizza maybe you know what uh, a lot of these poker rooms they always like to especially when we do these profiles on all these people they the the management and stuff they always like to say we listen to our players so hey Donkbuster, go to the guy and say, "Look, something doesn't seem right here. We're all putting our legality on the line here to play in this game. And if I'm going to want to play it consistently, I need to know that you know I got the best possible odds to make money here. And it feels like you're taking an exorbitant amount. Can you kind of break it down for me? Maybe we don't have pizza. You know, bring bring down the the cost of it. Say, hey, BYOB, bring yeah. your own root beer, bring your own beer, bring your own snacks." And then that cuts into it. Maybe he's only going to rake it 30%. Now you're getting closer to where it's like legitimate numbers. And then, hey, are you paying the dealers? Because if you're paying the dealers, don't make it a bounty tournament then. You know, or, or what, I mean, whatever. Don't make it a bounty. But, yeah, don't, don't encourage people. Don't encourage to us to give them the bounties or tip them. You know, and if, if you're not, if you are, then, hey, you know, maybe we don't have a bounty. I don't know. It just, it just there's some negotiating that you could always do with somebody. You could... Of course, it's only the first. I think it's only the first time he played in it. He'd heard about it for a long time, but never really got into it. So, you know, you don't want to get in there and just be like, "Hey, this is my first tournament now. I'm going to tell you, uh, well, you're doing everything wrong." I mean, that nobody likes to hear somebody do that to them. Um, but you know, if you play a couple of times, get together with some of the players that are in there and see what they think, and if they're all in agreement, just approach them. Say, "Hey, let's let's talk about this for a minute." My biggest thing would be that if you can get to an actual casino though, and it's not too much of a difficult. Uh, voyage or thing to do, I would just play in a casino. I would avoid this because why? Why take the chance? And clearly, they're raking way more than a casino would. So, I get I, that's the thing. We don't have that information, but that that's what I would do first. Is I would just go play another tournament if I could. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game. And you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been. Email us at podcast at anniepmagazine dot com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo director of poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. This week's prize is a 30-minute telephone lesson and workbook from Thomas Gallagher Casino Seminars, specializing in poker odds and math at poker911.net. comes from Doug Brabson. He says, On the turn in a 1-2 no-limit game, two players are heads up. The button says, All in for $14, with his hands in front of his chips. The other player calls the $14. When the river is put out, the button immediately puts out a bet of $100, and the other player is confused. 
believing that the button was all in. The button is upset that the dealer will not allow the bet. After 15 minutes of argument, the floor decides that the $14 is the last bet. Is this correct? Does the hiding of the chips change the decision? Elliot says this was ruled correctly. The player who declared all in for $14 was hiding his other chips in clear violation of table stakes rules. All chips in play must be visible to the dealer and the other players. This was obviously not the case. Whether or not this covering of the chips was intentional, and it surely seems intentional, betting hidden chips against an unsuspecting player is a blatant angle shot. It is not completely the responsibility of everyone else at the table to remember what amount every any single player has in front of them. Players should be aware of what is on the table, but in almost no situation is someone responsible for something that is being hidden from the table. However, it is definitely the offending player's responsibility to merely not hide their chips. If an offending player were to argue this point with me for a solid 15 minutes, it would occur to me it occurred to me to show them uh, through the door for the day, if not longer. As for the hiding of the chips, possibly changing the decision, the hidden chips caused the ruling. If the chips weren't hidden, the dealer, the opposing player, and the rest of the table would have had a chance to say that the $14 bet was not an all-in wager. The supervisor could have then given a warning to the player for announcing all-in when in possession of more chips. This is not, not a minor faux pas. It is something that should never be done and needs to be treated as such. There are so many things wrong with this on so many levels. Including one that we haven't mentioned yet. So I'll Go ahead, you mention it. Go ahead. Mention it. Go ahead, you can say it. I, it, it. It's immaterial to the actual argument here, but uh, the button acted out of turn, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man. About, about eight minutes of the argument, I'd be like, dude, <laughs> not only should you not have bet, you weren't even the first to act, so... Pipe down. <laughs> well, the problem here is that we don't know if he just assumed we meant the guy checked. But um, the problem with me is the first thing out of his mouth is all in. That's right. the first thing out of his mouth. So the fact that he puts on the end of that for $14, I don't care. You, you go to the dealer and you say, you said all in, and then you said for $14. Sorry, you can't be all in. For, or All in is what you said. Let me look at your chip stack. And then you have more than 14 You're all in. So that's the first thing that gives me a problem with what this guy did. But if he's not, then I agree with Elliot. This is severe because this is something that could be done all the time then. You could hide your chips and say all in for 14 when you're afraid that this guy is going to make a bigger bet on you to raise you uh, and you don't you want to see that river. Or This is a serious violation to me, and I would warn this guy – like, I wouldn't even warn him. I'd be like, wait, you're done for the day, and here's why. And I would take him to the side and say, this hand's over, you're all set, but this is like this is like the most offensive thing you can do because you're, you're manipulating the game not only to your advantage but to everyone else's disadvantage, which sounds redundant, but it's not. In this case, you are playing that player for him. You're not just playing your hand. You're playing his hand for him, essentially, because you're not letting him do what he wants to do in this case. To me, this is this is like, this is just putrid. <laughs> it's one thing to make a mistake. It's another to hide. Because you could do that all day long, then. You can go yeah. to the next table, or when you're at a tournament, you'd be like, oh, I really want to see the river. you know. And then when the card comes on the turn that you really wanted, then you're like, oh, uh, 100 bucks, And they're like, wait, oh, I didn't, I'm sorry, I didn't. I didn't know I had more money, I'm, you know, or whatever. And then you might get somebody who rules in your favor just because you seem so innocent with the way you said it. This is this is beyond beyond reprehensible to me, and I'm glad Elliot came down on him the way he did. I would have done the same thing. A stern warning, if not, 
shown him the door, especially with him arguing. You said all in for 14. You said all in. You should be all in the street before, but just because now the turn was beneficial to you, now you want to bet all your chips. No, this, this guy needs to get a lesson learned. Um, I really, really wish we would have had the 15-minute YouTube version of this, right? Yeah. I, 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 I wanted to hear. Uh, I want to hear this argument. It doesn't seem like this is an argument that can last more than a minute. Yeah. I mean, I mean, what what is this defense? You know, uh, you know, we're we're dealing in our city with the cyberbullying and the uh, people that are doing it. We were all. You know, how, how do you? Def- we we're wondering how they're going to come to the meeting that we discussed it and defend it. Because how do you defend cyberbullying, right? So right. I, I mean, how do you defend saying all in for fourteen dollars and then oh no problem here's what here's another hundred. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I would think I, it, it's possible. I mean, I, I, I'm trying to stretch here a little bit, but it's possible that maybe I didn't realize the chips I had in front of me for whatever reason. You know, I mean, there was that famous all in and then back uh, the guy that covered his chip up by a napkin by accident. Yeah, right? and he won the whole thing. All right. So, I mean, it's possible that chips can get hidden. And I don't think people should be punished too severely for accidentally doing it. But um, if you... If I look down after I said I'm all in for 14 and realize, oh my gosh, I I I, I screwed up. <laughs> I have chips in front of me. I would one be as apologetic as you've ever seen me to the other player, and I would say I'm sorry. I didn't realize it. I I honestly didn't do it um, to to shoot an angle and whatever the floor rules. I'm fine with me because this was my mistake. So I mean, how do you how do you not say that? How do you not have that same empathy? Unless, yeah, yeah. beyond, argue that you should be able to do it. Unreal. I can't even cl- cl- uh, climb into this guy's mind and understand uh, this at all. But um, the other thing that wasn't mentioned, and uh, it, it, this is kind of a difficult thing, and I'm glad Elliot got into the fact that um, about um, it's not necessarily your responsibility to, to see hidden chips because one of the problems that I think we always have with these kind of rulings is we're, we're often told that you need to confirm as a player, you need to confirm that the bet is correct. Even if the dealer tells you that it's correct, you need to look over and go, wait a minute, that doesn't look right. Um, and I think a lot of players have trouble with that. And, and I have a trouble with that at some points, but um, so it was good that he clarified that if it's hidden, that you, you don't have the same level of responsibility there. Yeah. Um, but the difficult part about that is we've always had a tables with, with guys with big, massive Bigfoot hands, right? Yeah. That aren't trying to hide their chips. They just, <laughs> you know, their hands are just freakishly big, right? Right. Um, and so it's difficult to tell people to pick their hands up all the time or, or look. But when when a player says all in, even and they say all in for 14 or whatever, I really think it's the dealer's responsibility to verify that they're all in. You know, yeah, at that point, yeah. uh, you know, most, good dealers, most good dealers are going to look at the stack and verify it, even if they don't make a big deal about it. But they're going to say, hey, I want to be sure this person's all in. And if their hands are, are covering something, they'll ask them to pick their hands up and just be clear about it. And if that would have happened, none of this would have been a problem, right? So I hate to put too much of the pressure on the dealer, but a good a good trained dealer here would have avoided the situation. So. I agree. Hey, we got a new O'Malley's move. Here it comes. Hello, and welcome to another O'Malley's move. I am Malcolm O'Malley. 
This week we are seated at a $2, $5, no limit hold'em cash game in a casino. We've been playing and running well up to this point. We bought in for $500 and currently sit with $1,200. The table goes in waves of aggressiveness and passivity, and it seems as though an aggressive wave has started to die down. We are in the small blind and post. Two MPs call, the button calls, and we look down at the ten of hearts, eight of hearts. We aren't going to do anything crazy here, but we would like to see a flop. We call. The big blind checks. There's about $20 in the pot, max rake taken, and the flop is awesome. The ten of clubs, eight of diamonds, deuce of spades comes down. We aren't going to mess around here. We bet pot, $20. We get a call from an MP and the button who calls somewhat quickly. The button has not been at the table too long. He bought in for 500 and currently sits with 400. From what we can tell, he's pretty tight. He hasn't played many hands. He has won a small pot and lost a medium-sized one with no showdown. There's $80 in the pot and the turn is the five of hearts. We're going to keep up our value betting here. We make it $60 to go. The MP folds. The button looks down at the pot Counts out a call. Counts out his remaining chips, just a bit over 300. Shrugs his shoulders and shoves. So, we've got top two pair on a very dry board. What's the move? It's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast at antiupmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. And this week uh, comes from uh, Mark Kelly. Table six-handed, and we are deep in a casual tournament. Uh, about $20 entry fee, first prize around $800. Uh, there are three tables uh, uh, with about 21 players left, and the average stack size is 70000 Players are being eliminated regularly as blinds are up to 5000 10000 and move ante. I have a comparatively deep stack of around 200000 one other player at the table sits around 250000 in the big blind, having just eliminated a player on the previous hand. My table image is likely tight, and having been play, uh, playing a few hours with overly aggressive players, maybe I could be seen as prone to folding too often. Though with a, lar- a larger stack, I have been more active for the last half hour or so, raising and picking up blinds from short stacks reluctant to shove. Um, action folds at us in middle position with Queen of Hearts, Queen of Diamonds. Fold. <laughs> he folds too often. Fold. Uh, shove. No. Um, standard raise, I guess. I mean, uh, whatever that would be. So, um, I don't know, 25? I, I don't know what the what standard raise is at this table, so I'd say 25 maybe? Well, I think you go back to the shove. I mean, we are at, let's see. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I forgot. We're, we have 200K. I was looking at the average stack size. Yeah, so, um, yeah, um... I, I don't know. When blinds get this big, it depends what the other stacks are at the table. Um, sometimes in these cases, a, um, a min raise is, is sufficient enough. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't mind going to 25k, which is the standard raise. And you know, at that point, I mean, people are either going to fold or shove on you if the average stack size is 70k. Maybe not the guy in the big blind who is deep, but. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't want to say it doesn't matter what you raise to, because it always matters, but um, I, I think it's hard to make a raise mistake here. Because even if you do a min-raise to 20, I mean, the, the uh, 70K stack is going to shove, right? So, 
Yeah, I mean, I don't mind that because I've got queen I queen. Value. So I don't want value, to pick yeah. with queens. You know, if it was eights or nines, maybe or something like that. But I, you know, I want value out of this, so I want some action. Two and, and a half, three sounds normal. I mean, it, people are people are gonna, especially if you're in the middle position like this. Now they're gonna think, well, you might have a weaker hand, and they might not believe you. They may shove, and then you boom, boom, got got the ladies. So I got no problem doing that. Um, and then if you know whatever, and if they fold around, well, you know what, you picked up fifteen grand and whatever, and you move on. But yeah, you want to get value for your hand, so I don't want to price anybody out of it either. Um, so I don't know, two and a half, three sounds right. So twenty-five, thirty. Yep. All right, that's exactly what Hero does. He raises to twenty-five thousand. He says, in hindsight, this is probably too light. Uh, though I was looking to get action from a short stack. So no, we totally agree. That's yeah. what you need to do. So yeah. that folds to the big blind who calls. And he says, I played with the big blind before and, and would label her a loose aggressive that will occasionally fold to pressure. And remember, she's the one that has this covered with 250K before. Okay, yeah. Started. All right, the flop comes seven of clubs, tray of spades, tray of hearts. And the big blind checks to us. That's a pretty good flop for queens. Uh, it's rainbow. It's not really a straight draw. The odds of him playing a three could have pocket sevens. They, they could have a suited ace tray, but, you know. At this point, you can't do that. You have to play your hand. You have a pretty good flop for your hand, and you're going to bet it. So there's like, uh, let's see, R50, and then she was the blind. So 50, how much is in the pot? Like 55, 60? Yeah, so I don't know. I'd bet like 40-ish, 35, 40-ish, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I think anything from 25 up is pretty decent here. Um, but, yeah, I'd probably go 30, you know. Yeah. Again, still trying to get some value out of it. I mean, although when your head's up at this point, you know, it I don't know what's going to keep people in here. I mean, there's not a um, a straight or a flush draw there, <laughs> so right. uh, people either have a hand or they don't have a hand here. So, um, so maybe I guess to that point, you know, you could even go twenty five again. But you know, if they shove on you or they they raise, I, I, it's going to be hard for me to fold this. I think, right? Isn't it? I don't know. It, I guess it depends. If, it, it, Kings, if it's like re- a min raise or something, I'm not worried about it. If they shove on me, I'm going to give it some hard thought because... Oh, yeah. No, I will. But right. I'm like, I'm going to try to figure out what exactly we ran into. I mean, because if they shove, I mean, they're not going to shove with the boat, I don't think, right? No. Yeah, they're going to shove with a tray either. So if they shove, unless they played aces or kings real tricky, um, I would feel like I'm good. So at this point, uh, I'm not too worried, but... Maybe I should be. It's hand of the week. I guess we should always be worried. It's always, right? always hand of the week, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, so here it says, I think this is a pretty good flop, as it's unlikely my, my opponent hit anything. Uh, I think for a moment before uh, betting 30000 So, oh, all right, same boring. range. Yeah. Uh, um, and I was expecting to pick up the pot there. Uh, my stack is now 140 To my surprise, the big blind check raises all in. Oh, wow. <laughs> Didn't even think that was coming, actually. Wow. But, well, here's the deal. Um, we bet 30. There's 55, so that's 85. So 140 left, so that's all of our stacks. So we'd have to call 140, right? Because it's going to be 140 more on top of it. So that's 140 is 280, plus a 30 is 310. So 365. 140 when 365 is not really great odds on our money, but we're not. We're, we already have a made hand. So I, to me, what hand check raises here? There's no draw. So it's not that. So basically, this person was telling you, 
I knew you were going to bet. I could afford to let you bet without me betting. And now I'm willing to put basically my tournament life on the line. Even though even though I'll still have chips left over, I'm going to have a short, short, short stack. Yeah. If I, if I, I lose this hand to you, because I went from I'll go from basically tournament leader to five big blinds. Um. I I feel like I feel like he got played here. I, I don't know how though. I don't know if it's the That's ace tray thing. How did we get played here? I, I can't get past that. Ace tray. To me, I mean, I, again, I'm not trying to look for ways to talk myself into this call, but um, <clears throat> you know, it was he's described as loose aggressive, right? So the loose part makes me feel a little bit better about this. The aggressive part also makes me feel a little bit about this. So the thing about this, I mean, this is a, a I'm not saying she's doing this, but this is a play that if I imagine really good players would do is, you know, you're you're putting pressure on the one person that can't afford to have pressure be put on them, right? Because we are second at the table, we are fairly comfortable right now. We we've made a stab at this pot twice and if we're the only one at the table that that person should be scared about. And now we are raising all in. Um, and look at look at the discussion we're already having. We, we are on the fence with queens here, right? So, I mean, assuming uh, the big blind has ice in her veins, that's a very effective play, a very effective bluff if that's what she's running. Because it's going to get a lot of hands to hold and pick up some more um, chips. Um, obviously, it's a, it's a very risky move, but um, it all depends on what kind of read she has on us and how we play. But well, here's the deal, and I I want to. I'm glad you said that. Um, there are very few humans on this planet who will put their entire tournament life on the line on a bluff. Uh, and one of them has left this planet, Stu Unger, maybe. Yeah. And this is a twenty dollar tournament. Okay. So it's not like we're dealing with the Brunsons, you know, of the world and the Baldwins. This is, this is a, pre- this is a pretty huge bluff against the only stack at the table and six-handed, by the way, the only stack at the table that can hurt you. Why would you do this? You have no reason to do this. First of all, you called the raise out of position against the second tournament chip leader at your table or whatever you want to call it, and. You're not doing that with crap. So what are you getting by check-raising here? To me, very few people, and this person was the chip leader, so this person knows how to play well enough to be able to be the chip leader in this decent tournament. I mean, I, I, had, I think he said it was a casual tournament, but even so, $20 and they're going to win 800 This person obviously has been playing for a decent amount of time and knows what she's doing. So, to me, I can't put this person on a bluff. I just can't because See, of the situation. It's such a powerful play, and then, but it's also, it's not just this hand, right? It, it, if, if she's able to pull that off, that's really going to affect us going forward, isn't it? Because now we're going to know. Oh my gosh! Not only does she have a stack that she can put me out, but she's going to check raise me when she feels like it, and. That would neuter us a little bit because we're the only person that can really hurt her. That's what we said, right? So, I'm not worried about these these little seventy k stacks um, you know, trying to make a move because then swat those out of the sky like flies. But um, again, I'm not saying that's what she's doing, but I'm saying it would be very, very effective. And if you could pull that move off on a regular basis, you would be a very good player. And if you're going to do it, I would 
try it in a $20 tournament, right? So, I mean, yeah, you're giving up a little uh, value now. I mean, there's 21 people left. I don't know how many it paid. It didn't say, right? So, uh, first place is 800. That's probably a lot of people in this tournament. So, um, I don't know. That's so a maybe lot of if, ice in the veins I, at a, for a $20 level tournament for this player to pull that bluff off in that situation, knowing that you go from the possibility of winning 800 to going out with, I don't even know if you're going to win any money, you know, because you want to bluff on a check raise out of position, big blind call a raise out of position. It's just so many things are happening here that this person's going to, and then we, we raise and fired again. So, I mean, yeah, if you got a peg on us that we're the type of person that does that with ace king and, and C bets with nothing after missing a flop and then whatever, you know, more power to you. But in this situation, given what's on the line here and who it's going against, you have the two biggest stacks at the table. This person's really essentially putting their tournament life on the line to do a bluff for, you know, for a twenty dollar tournament when you have a chance at eight hundred. I don't there aren't that many human beings on the planet that would do that. Um well, again, that's what makes it effective. But right, 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 but that's what I'm saying. It makes it effective, but that doesn't make her the human being to do it. You know, well, I think it's. Exactly. I think that's it's. What I'm I don't know anything about her other yeah. than what she's being described. Yeah, I, I think it's a hand she has. Because the other thing, let's go back to what, what we were talking about before. What what hand check raises all in here with this? I mean, if you have right. pocket sevens, are you going to do that when a player has open raised and then C bet and there's not a lot of danger to your hand? Doesn't make much sense to me for for pocket sevens or I mean, I guess maybe a tray might feel a little threatened if it's a weaker tray because it went. Uh, I, I, I can't even see that though. I really can't. I, I I think if they have a made hand, unless they really feel like we're going to call this, they're making a mistake. Now, obviously, they can't see our cards, right? So they don't know the dilemma we're in. But let's say we had something like Ace King, right? And we 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 would have raised to twenty five k pre flop, right? And then after this weird flop, we're going to put our C bet in, check and raise all in. Is going to we're going to fold like a napkin, then, right? Mm-hmm. So why would you give up all that value? Um, Oh, I, I, I just can't... Uh, That's the I other thing, Scott. There's no reason to bluff all in. There's no reason to risk your tournament with all in here. You could you could easily just make it 75 and get them to fold with a bluff. Why put your tournament on the line? I got a feeling this person knows what we have and has us beat. This is very classic super system tactics. When he talks about... You have somebody who raises pre-flop and basically an early to middle position, they're supposed to have a big hand there when he said that's just what Doyle says. They're right. supposed to have a big hand there. So if you come in and say, you know what, I'm riding a rush and I'm gonna call with with a piddly little six, seven of clubs, and if I hit trips, you bet into them or you make them you make them commit all their chips because in this case, if this person is convinced because we did have a tight image. We had a tight image. So the fact that we're playing a hand means that we we'll probably have a pair over the sevens and we might get all their chips. So to me, it feels like this person has, and then we could still be beating the person. It could be misreading us, and they could have a seven. I think, oh, I don't think you have anything. But why put your tournament life on the line unless you're convinced we have an overpair? If you're convinced we have an overpair and we hit the the tray, we're gonna get all your chips, and that's what this person is banking on. It feels a lot like a suited ace three to me, mm-hmm. just because of the way the way that comes down. You know, this person can't fold because they're a tight person who raised and c bet us. Here's my chance to really win this tournament now because I can't lose with my three threes, and I'm gonna see if this person will go for it. And if he does, imagine how many chips I'm gonna have, and I'm gonna win this 800 bucks. So, that, I think this person has ace three. I, I, it's kind of early to predict it, but it just feels like, oh, I guess it's not because someone's all in. So there's no more, no more betting anyway. So other than call or fold. So 
I think we're I think we're behind, and I'm going to let it go. There's a lot of money on the line. I'm second in chips. I've only lost 25, uh, and then what 30? What do you bet? So 55. So I'm still at 150 basically, with five and ten blinds. I mean that I got a ton of play left, and who knows? Next hand I can get aces. She can get kings. So now we're, we're now we're into almost the what I consider the shove or fold. I mean, maybe not in this tournament because of the rest of the chips, but um, wow, I don't know. I mean, you make a very compelling case for ace trade, but that's the only hand that makes sense to me. And even that hand, I don't really understand why they would shove here. So um, the other flip side is if we win this hand, we are massive in chips now, right? Right. And with the way that. He says players are being eliminated regularly, so at that point, that's the time to start picking up a lot of dead chips and knocking people out. And you can absorb, um, you can make some borderline calls when you have a stack of 400,000. Um, uh, wow, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not a good enough player to fold here. I'm sorry. I know. That <laughs> Come on, you're good enough. Fold! I, I just, I hate, there's only one hand that makes sense, and even that hand, it doesn't make sense why they would, uh, in my opinion, check raise here. Um well, the only thing that makes sense is if you know the person has no repair. That makes sense to me because you know they can't fold. So if you could put him on anything bigger than sevens, and easily you could put him on tens or something like that because he raised preflop. But if you know this is the type of person that's tight and only plays big hands, which is what we're getting from what you said earlier, he said this table image was tight. So if he's tight, then he's only playing big hands. So she's hoping he has a big hand and she hit her tray. That's why I can see the show. I think that's an important part, too. If we have a tight image or he thinks he has a tight image and this woman has a loose, aggressive image, that all adds up to I need to call here, right? That means that she's just putting pressure on us because she knows, you know, we have to have a a big hand uh, not to call. And uh, I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm I'm calling, and uh, if, if I'm out, then... No, whatever. But, All right. yeah. Well, I'll take the fold side just so that we're doing something. One of us is going to be right. <laughs> one of us is goofus and one of us is gallant, right? <laughs> exactly. All right, let's see. Uh, all right, our hero says, I'm unsure what to do here. Some hands make sense. Uh, pocket trays are unlikely. Ace suited, maybe. Or over pairs and ace king, which I beat most uh, of other than 7-7 and thought ace, ace, or king, king would likely uh, three bet on the flop. At the time, I thought it might be a bluff. I've caught her before bluffing with air. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but in hindsight, that would seem unlikely given my relatively yes. large... Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, well, that's He's always fun. not a bluff, but all right, let's see what happens. Your pompousness uh, came too soon. <laughs> given my position, I could fold and still have an above-average stack, but still a short stack. It's important to realize that, folks. 14 uh, big blinds? Uh, Come on. That's not that that's- short. Would need to start looking to double up. Yes, exactly. See, right, look at that. Uh, if I call and win, I'd easily be a chip leader and in a great position to cash. The top six usually get paid, or even uh, take, uh, or even take out the tournament. You can uh, take them. I don't think that's. Uh, I end up calling. All right. Let's see what happens. Big blind reveals ace of clubs, tray <laughs> of clubs. For trips without hitting a queen on the turn of river, I get knocked out, annoyed that I called the show, but also thinking a fold maybe too tight. Uh yeah, uh, it's funny. Like every phrase that I just said there, there was like one thing that uh, I was right about, and one thing you were right about. <laughs> oh, didn't I say earlier in the show this game is remarkable because it, every situation comes up. It just does. Um, it just felt like this person knew that you weren't going to be able to fold, and they hit it. It's really lucky we had the hand we did because there are not a lot of hands that are going to call that shove. Then yeah, they're smart. Right, yeah, yeah. and if you had a hand that 
what got value. I mean, when your head's up, short stacked, paired boards change. You know, you get and when, like when you have our hand now, you're you're happy with the paired board because now you don't have to worry about you know some trashy two pair beating you because you've got the higher pair, right? So. Um, I get less scared about that with, with a pair. I, I obviously I worry about it with flushes and um, straights, but um, I, 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 she she got her stack, so kudos. But um, but there are a lot of hands we could have had and played this hand exactly the way we did that would have folded in a minute to that, and she could have got more value out of those hands. Got to uh, give her credit because also he threw that little phrase in there that says, "I've caught her bluffing with air before." <laughs> and she says, hey, Mark's caught me bluffing with air before. Air before. <laughs> I'm going to shove here. If he's got what I think he has, he's going to call, and I'm going to win this tournament. And it worked. So give her credit. Big props for her. Sorry, Mark, but hey, guess what? You're on the show. <laughs> That's something, right? She's not on the show. Oh, she is on the show, but she doesn't know it. Yeah, Don't yeah. tell her. Yeah. <laughs> she already got your chips. Don't give her the glory, too. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Lark. We'll see you at the table. Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Music Network.